The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed with host and author of the award-winning book of the same name, Lisa Lutan. Lisa has amazing tips to help you slow down, get healthy, manage your time, improve your relationships, and deal with stress. Now, here is Lisa Lutan. Hey everyone, it's Lisa and welcome to the show where I get to introduce you to my favorite health and wellness rock stars. As a health and lifestyle coach, not a day goes by that I don't hear about another person suffering from an autoimmune disease. Now, if you're not sure what an autoimmune disease is, sit tight because by the end of the show, you will, I promise. Now, I'm deeply concerned about this, and yet at the same time, I have to admit I'm kind of fascinated by this because it's so directly related to our food that we're eating, and you should know by now that anything related to food is actually very, very fun and fascinating for me. So, I am totally excited for our guest today, who is Dr. Tom O'Brien. Dr. O'Brien is the author of the groundbreaking book, The Autoimmune Fix, and he specializes in the complications of non-celiac gluten sensitivity, celiac disease, and autoimmune diseases as they occur inside and outside of the intestines. He's considered the Sherlock Holmes for chronic disease and metabolic disorders and holds teaching faculty positions with the Institute for Functional Medicine and the National University of Health Sciences. He has also trained tens of thousands of practitioners in advanced understanding of autoimmune diseases, and we are so lucky to have him on the show with us today. Dr. O'Brien, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. That's really kind of you. It was a really nice introduction. Thank you. So, Dr. O'Brien, I ask every guest my Lisa's five ask every guest questions. So, let's start with those. And number okay. one is, what did you have for breakfast today? For breakfast today, I had um, three organic eggs. Um, uh, it was a egg salad, not egg salad, but a scrambled egg sandwich. Um, on gluten-free sourdough toast with avocado and tomatoes. And to drink, I had a, uh, oh, this is embarrassing, this is really out there, uh, coconut milk chai latte with collagen, turmeric, and cilantro. That sounds amazing. That doesn't it sound really out there. Good. It was really oh, good. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask kind you of during the break. on the nutcase you know, scale, like you know, somebody that eats brown rice and sprouts every day, which I don't. <laughs> But it's it's out there, but it tastes really good, and it's extremely healthy for you for many different reasons. Well, I must be in that case, too, then, because I can't wait later to hear about that. <laughs> so how do you spend the first hour of your day? The first hour of my day? Well, today I woke up at uh, 4.55 and uh, picked up my training partner at 5.35, so I had a couple of things to drink beforehand, some protein stuff and all that to get ready. And then we went down and trained with a... Um, young stud uh, training coach who runs this gym that 
uh, has you use every muscle in your body that you don't know you have. You know, <laughs> I'm 65 now, so uh, it's always a battle to keep it uh, functioning well. And uh, so we do a whole lot of different exercises. And so there was that. And then I met a friend for breakfast and had the breakfast. And then here we are. And what do you do for fun? Although that sounds I fun, studies. I have to admit. I love, I love to read the research, and I love to think about how to, how to translate that research into everyday language so that uh, it impacts on people. My, um, <laughs> I've not been asked that in that way before. I've not thought to say this, is that, but my passion in life is to help the world. And, and in my little niche of um, what my area of expertise is, uh, to carry a message out in a way that people can understand it. Uh, so that hopefully it impacts in a positive way on the development of their health for them and their families. It was very beautifully put. And and I'm shocked that that came under fun, but that's even more interesting about it. Next question. What is the one thing you do every day that has a huge impact on your life? Start the day with two big glasses of water. First thing, everybody when they wake up in the morning, first thing we do is go to the bathroom, most people. Next Get two big glasses of water and drink them down. Oh, I feel so full. Fine, do it anyway. In three (laughs) days, you'll notice that you look forward to it. And what you're doing is you're hydrating. You're giving yourself enough juice, if you will, to get all the circuits going and get this body up and running. So two big glasses of water. That's the first thing I do every day uh, for my own health. And who inspires you? Who, ins- who inspired or inspires? Who inspires you? Who inspires me? Um, people that have juice for what they do. You know, I really don't care. Um, I said this to my son, and I say this on stage a lot. My son, when he was 17, he, uh, he was a really, really smart guy. He had a 4.3 grade point. You know, he got straight A's, and then the advanced courses, straight A's, and thinking about college and I said, Jason, I don't really care if you go to college. I don't care. And he just looked at me. I like caught his mind and I love it because I can rarely catch his mind. You know, that kid's been working me since he was three months old. I mean, he knows exactly how to get what he wants from me. And I said, I don't really care if you go to college. If you look at a brick wall and you're really captivated, how did they do that? or the design, or, and you're thinking about brick walls every day, you go find the best, best brick wall maker there is and work. If you have to work for free, you go work for them for a year. I'll finance you. I'm, I'm financing school. Or if you want to be a rock and roll star, I mean, really, man, it's, it's in your blood. You got to do it. You go do rock and roll. But if you don't have something that grabs you by the nuts, excuse me, grabs you and just won't let go, you go to school. Because that's where you get exposure to more things than anywhere else. And my prayer is that you find something that just grabs you. You've got to do this with your life. That's what you do. And it doesn't matter what it is. As long as you don't hurt people, it doesn't matter what it is. You're going to have a happy life, and you're going to make a great contribution to the planet. And I say this on stage because all of our doctors think that they have to be the very best at everything that comes in. You know, if you've got diabetes symptoms, they have to know what to do. If you have sleep problems, they have to know what to do. If you have weight problems, they have to know what to do. And and I disagree. I think if they have diabetes problems and if that's not your niche, you send them to the diabetic person. 
But you find what is your thing that gives you juice every day and you want to learn more and more about that thing, that's what you do. And you become the expert in that. And then your friends and your peers start sending their patients to you for that service. That's what you do with your life, docs. And uh, that's usually a well-received concept. And so who inspires me are people that are doing what they've just got to do in life, whatever it is. I'm pretty inspired. That's, that was a beautiful speech right there. I would love to see you on stage with that. So speaking of passion, let's jump into autoimmune disease because obviously and clearly you're super passionate about the work that you're doing. Yeah. And before we really dive in, though, I know that a lot of people hear the term all the time, but can you explain what it is and maybe mention some of the more common common diseases that fall under that umbrella. You bet, you bet. So the word autoimmunity means that your immune system is attacking your own tissue. Might be, um, and this is patient. You pull at a chain, the chain always breaks at the weakest link. It could be at one end, the middle, the other end. It could be your heart, your brain, your liver, your kidneys, your muscles, your bones. Wherever your genetic weak link is, that's where the chain's going to break if you pull too hard. And the pull on the chain, most of the time in our lives, the pull on the chain falls under the category of the term inflammation. And we've all heard about reducing inflammation, the anti-inflammation diet and all that. It's very true. So you, it's, it's the fire inside the cell. At the cellular level, every disease, as far as I know, every disease is a disease of inflammation at the cellular level. So it's just a question. Is it gasoline or kerosene? Is it the brain or the kidney? So when you can identify where's the weak link in the chain and how am I throwing gasoline on the fire, you can address anything. I don't care if it's stage four cancer. It doesn't matter if it's diabetes. It doesn't matter if it's brain fog or brain dysfunction. That you should be able to reduce the inflammation of whatever disease you're working with as a component of treating that condition. You have to stop throwing gasoline on the fire. Now, autoimmunity is when your immune system makes antibodies attacking your own tissue. Antibodies are soldiers that get out into the bloodstream and they're trained to go after something. And if they're going after your thyroid, if that's the weak link in your chain, you can develop an autoimmune disease of the thyroid or going after your brain or your heart or your lungs or your liver. So in the big picture, autoimmunity is when your immune system is attacking your own tissue. Now, who gets autoimmunity? Almost everyone gets autoimmunity. What does that mean? Well, atherosclerosis and cardiovascular disease, what we think is the number one cause of getting sick and dying in the world, is autoimmune in its initiating phases and in continually fueling it. It's not high cholesterol. That's just a component of possibly throwing gasoline on the fire. But the mechanism is a mechanism of inflammation in your blood vessels that causes heart disease. So, and heart disease begins with your immune system attacking your own tissue. So that means that the autoimmune mechanism is the number one mechanism in getting sick and dying in the world. And it's not just cardiovascular disease, it's cancer, it's rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, psoriasis, you lose your hair, it's called alopecia, Hashimoto's thyroid disease, lupus, 
uh, scleroderma. There are many, many different names for the autoimmune diseases. But what I want your readers to understand is that the underlying mechanism for all of them is you're throwing gasoline on the fire, and the weak link in your chain is where it's showing itself right now. So you Wait, don't I, treat- I just want to clarify one thing because I'm a little confused, and I'm guessing my listeners might be too. So it starts with the inflammation, and if the inflammation is not treated, then it moves to autoimmune, or is it the opposite? Oh, oh thanks. Well, it's actually both. Okay. Um, sometimes it's the inflammation that starts the process, and sometimes it's the immune system attacking the tissue that creates the inflammation. Okay. And um, so we'll, we'll talk about the differences there. Uh, but the mechanism, the underlying mechanism of getting sick and dying in the world, it doesn't matter where the weak link in your chain is. The underlying mechanism is your immune system attacking your own tissue. It either begins with that, and we'll talk about the reasons why that happens, or you've already thrown gasoline on the fire, and it's now causing the immune system to attack the tissue, creating more inflammation. Okay, so let's talk about why. Well, two whys. Why is it doing that, and why all of a sudden are we hearing about more and more cases of autoimmune disease? Is it just that people are becoming more aware, or is it... You know, is it really skyrocketing like it seems? Right. No, it's it's actually skyrocketing. And physicians are becoming more aware of this underlying mechanism. In 2003, um, Dr. Melissa Arbuckle, she's an MD, PhD, and she went to the VA and um, she looked for people with the autoimmune disease lupus, systemic lupus erythematosus, lupus. She found 130 people with lupus in this one VA center. And if they're in a VA center, they're veterans. If they're veterans, they were in the armed forces. If they were in the armed forces, they had their blood drawn many times when they were in the armed forces, whether it was the Navy, the Army, the Air Force, many times when they were healthy in the Navy. And what most people don't know is that the government's been saving all of that blood, freezing it and saving it since 1978. They've got tens of millions of samples of our service people's blood uh, uh, in storage, frozen in storage. So Dr. Arbuckle went to the VA and asked for permission to look at the blood in storage of the people currently diagnosed with lupus when they were in the Navy and they were healthy or in the Air Force and they were healthy. And she got permission to look at the blood. And what did she find? There are seven different antibodies, and we'll talk about what antibodies are, but they're the missiles that cause the autoimmune mechanism. There are seven different antibodies that cause lupus. What she found was that all seven antibodies were much higher than they should have been. They were outside the normal range years before people ever had symptoms, years The average was seven years. Many of them, nine years, 11 years beforehand, they had these elevated antibodies for lupus. But they didn't have any symptoms. They felt fine. And she showed in her research paper that she published in the New England Journal of Medicine that every year the level of these antibodies went higher and higher and higher and higher. Uh, They were elevated years beforehand, but they kept getting more elevated and more elevated. And see, what, what's the significance of that? 
we all make antibodies to our thyroid or to our liver or to our brain. We all make antibodies. Why? Mrs. Patient, you have a whole new body every seven years. Every cell in your body regenerates. Every cell. Some cells are really quick, like the inside lining of your gut every three to five days. Some cells are really slow, like your bone cells. But every seven years, you have a whole new body. So how, how does that happen? When you've got, when some of your, I'll, I'll use thyroid as an example. When your thyroid, some of the cells get old, they get damaged. Maybe you live on the West Coast and Fukushima radiation has come around and you've damaged some of your thyroid cells. You don't have cancer, but you've caused some of the damage to your thyroid. Your immune system has to make antibodies to get rid of those old and damaged cells. Clears them out. It makes room for new cells to grow. You have to make room for the new cells. That means you've you got to get rid of the old ones. So it's the old and damaged cells that our immune system makes antibodies. That's an autoimmune process to get rid of some of your old damaged thyroid cells. That's why if you do a blood test, there's a normal reference range for thyroid antibodies. It's normal. You're making as many antibodies as normal for your age, and we know that you're, you know, so these antibodies are getting rid of thyroid cells, and you're making, an, you're making new thyroid cells. So that's a normal range for antibodies. But when you have elevated antibodies, you've got more ant- antibodies than you should for your age, now you're killing off more cells than you're making. And when you kill off more cells than you're making, the tissue, in this case the thyroid, the tissue begins to be less functional because you're killing off more cells than you're making. When the tissue becomes less functional, eventually you get a, symptoms. It can be Dr. O'Brien, we have to go to break. Hold that thought. This is fascinating. I am with Dr. Tom O'Brien, the author of the groundbreaking book, The Autoimmune Fix. And right after the break, we're going to be talking more about how to know if you have autoimmune disease, what's causing it, what we can do about it. So stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's HealthyHappyAndHip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You 
are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at HealthyHappyAndHip.com. Now, back to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm having a fascinating conversation about autoimmune disease with Dr. Tom O'Brien. Right before the break, Dr. O'Brien was explaining to us what's going on in our body with autoimmune. So please continue where we left off. Okay, good. Thanks. So uh, we've talked at this point where you're killing off more cells than you're making. In the example was the thyroid. So at that point, when you're killing off more cells than you're making because you have elevated antibodies to your thyroid, there's a normal reference range, but you're above the reference range, your blood test comes back and there's an H next to that marker, which means high, now you're killing off more cells than you're making. And eventually, that tissue can't function as well as it should because it's losing cells. If it's your brain, you're, you're losing cells, your thyroid. So eventually, you get symptoms of thyroid dysfunction, cold hands and feet. Some people wear socks to bed or their spouse says their feet are always cold in bed, uh, feel sluggish. You hit the snooze three times in the morning, wish you had 20 more minutes in bed. Can't lose that five pounds even if you don't eat for two or three days because your metabolism is so slow. Those are all thyroid symptoms and there are many, many more. But now you're starting to get some symptoms and eventually you go to a doctor, they check your thyroid and the blood test says you're fine, but let's give you some thyroid hormone anyway. And the result is that um, they put you on hormone, but they've not checked your thyroid antibodies. And so this mechanism of killing off your tissue eventually causes the disease. So Arbuckle looked at this. Dr. Arbuckle looked at this with lupus, found every single patient at the VA had elevated antibodies to lupus. All seven antibodies were elevated years before they ever had a symptom. Years. And, so should we be checking our antibodies now during yes, our checkups? Absolutely, absolutely. Because when and I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but I, I, I just want to complete this concept with her and what she showed us. This was in 2003. She showed us this whole mechanism that occurs that you have what's called benign autoimmunity, meaning you're making the normal number of antibodies to your own thyroid or your own brain or your own muscles. That's the normal amount because you're making new cells, so you're getting rid of the old damaged ones. That's benign. Then you have pathogenic autoimmunity, meaning you're making more than you should be. You're making more thyroid antibodies than you're making. You're making more thyroid antibodies than you are new thyroid cells. You're losing thyroid cells. Then you have clinical illness. You're starting to get some symptoms. And then you get pathology. And then you go to the doctor because they've diagnosed you with a pathology, and then they give you a drug for the pathology. Well, the drug can help. It's not that the drug is bad, but it's not dealing with why this whole mechanism occurred. Why do you have elevated antibodies to your thyroid? And when you can identify that, and that's what the book, The Autoimmune Fix, is about, is to understand this big kahuna picture. And when you understand, oh, I'm throwing gasoline on the fire. How am I throwing gasoline on the fire? There are many, many different ways that can happen. It's outlined in the book. You know, I'll give you some of the clues here today to it, you know, some of them. But there are many ways it can happen for you as an individual. But when you identify why it's happening, you stop throwing gasoline on the fire. For many, many people, 
the, the elevated antibodies to their thyroid go down. And they go back six months or a year later, and they find that they don't have the autoimmune disease anymore. It's in remission. And we find that's true with lupus and rheumatoid and multiple sclerosis and psoriasis and alopecia, that not every time, of course, but many times you can reverse. And that's what the literature now tells us. And they, the, the language they use is arrest. You can arrest the development of autoimmune diseases. And that's the cutting-edge technology out today. It's called predictive autoimmunity, that you look to identify where's the weak link in my chain right now where I've got elevated antibodies. I feel fine. Yes, I feel fine. I'm doing okay. But where's the weak link? Where am I killing off my cells? I did this test on myself. I had three antibodies elevated to my brain. And I did that test when I was 45, and I was competing in triathlons at that time, doing a lot of triathlons, and I was scoring in the top 10% of the 30 to 35-year-olds. So I was walking tall with my chest out. You know, <laughs> hey, I'm a hunk of a guy. I'm 45, but still hang out with these young guys. You know, I, I was feeling like that. I was healthy. Anyone ever talked to me, I was healthy. But I had three elevated antibodies to my brain. Myelin basic protein, that's what causes MS, gangliosides, that's what causes a shrinking of the brain. You kill off all the brain cells all throughout the brain, and eventually you get what's called non-Alzheimer's dementia because your brain's been shrinking over the years. And uh, cerebellum. Cerebellum is the part of the brain that controls muscle movements, and this is why old people can't dance up and down the stairs, and they have to hold on to the railings. It's not that their muscles are bad. It's that their brain doesn't have the coordination and the balance. That's your cerebellum. I had all three of those antibodies elevated when I was 45, and I called the lab, and I said, what is this? This is a mistake. They said, no, it's not. I said, do it again. They said, we did. We know it's you. We did it again. That's when I understood, oh, my God, this mechanism goes on for years before people ever have symptoms. That's when I started looking for more research on this topic, and I found many, many studies by research teams all over the world on this concept of what's called predictive autoimmunity. It's just that our doctors who are in clinical practice don't read that research. They don't know about this concept. It's not that it's not valid or it's new. The papers have been coming out since at least 2000 on this concept. So that's 17 years. The papers have been coming out, and there's hundreds of them now. But our clinical physicians really busy trying to stay on top of their area of expertise. They just don't know about this. So when you read the autoimmune fix, and you'll say, well, this just makes sense. Stop throwing so gasoline on the So what's the fire. name of this test that we can be getting to see if our antibodies are elevated? Yes, the test comes from a lab called Cyrex Labs, C-Y-R-E-X. It's CyrexLabs.com. And the test is array number five, so panel number five. And it looks at 24 different tissue antibodies to your own, six to your brain, three to your heart, four to your heart, four to your gut, your lungs, your liver, your bones, your muscles, and you see where's the weak link in the chain. You, you can get more about information about that test on my website, thedr.com. That's the, the doctor. Just don't spell the word doctor out. Thedoctor.com, thedr.com. We've got that test there. It's called array number five. But go to your doctor. So go to my site, get the information, download the information, take it to your doctor who won't know anything about this, and say, can you order this test for me? Let's just explore this together. 
And it depends I'm going to do that. If they're, if they're open to that. And if they're not, you can order the tests on my site. But, you know, I'm not here to sell you tests. I want you to get it from your doctor so that he learns about it and he'll know when to use this test with other patients that want to be healthy. Wow. 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 Is everybody listening to that? This is huge. I'm definitely going to get this test and do it at my next checkup, which is coming up soon. But I want to really dive in a little bit. You know, you've talked about like throwing fuel into the fire. And I know gluten is a big issue. And you talk about gluten quite a bit in your book and all over the place. So can we talk about that? And why is gluten such a big issue? You bet. So first about why, and it's not gluten, it's wheat. There are many different components of wheat. We unfortunately have got caught in this word gluten as the bad guy. And uh, it's it's really wheat. That no humans, Mrs. Patient, proteins are like a pearl necklace. Hydrochloric acid made in your stomach undoes the clasp of the pearl necklace. Now you're holding a string of pearls. Our enzymes that are made in the gallbladder, the pancreas, the liver, the the good bacteria in the gut, the microbiota, those enzymes act like scissors to cut the pearl necklace into smaller clumps of the pearl necklace. And you keep snipping it smaller and smaller and smaller until you get down to each pearl of the pearl necklace. Those pearls are called amino acids. They get absorbed into the bloodstream And then the body uses those amino acids as building blocks to make new bone cells or make new brain cells or make new hormones. But we have to have it in the form of amino acids. It doesn't work in the form of clumps of amino acids. When you, uh, it's got to be broken down small enough to each little pearl of the pearl necklace. That's why our digestive enzymes are so important. And that's a whole talk in itself about getting enough digestive enzymes. The problem with wheat is that uh, there are many studies on this. Harvard um, published a couple of them that says no human can digest wheat down to the pearls of the pearl necklace. No human. So anyone who's listening today, if you're human, you are unable to break down wheat into the pearls of the pearl necklace. That doesn't mean that wheat's not helpful for you. Of course, we've saved millions of lives You know, when there's a uh, famine in Africa and you send a boatload of wheat over there, they eat and they survive, of course, of course. But the complications that occur from eating foods that can't be broken down into the pearls or the pearl necklace are that they can trigger the development of these autoimmune diseases. They pull on the chain wherever the weak link in the chain is. That's why if you go to PubMed, stands for Public Medical Information, PubMed.gov, It's the National Library of Medicine, and it opens up right on the search engine. And you type in gluten or wheat and arthritis, wheat and Alzheimer's, gluten and Parkinson's, gluten and kidney disease. You see there are so many diseases that may be associated for a vulnerable person with a sensitivity to wheat. There's no disease that may not be. I mean, when I lecture on stage, I show the studies of reversing a tumor in the eye of a -a three-and-a-half-year-old that was diagnosed as Kaposi sarcoma. That comes from HIV, from AIDS. It was a big, ugly tumor in her eye, completely gone in two months on a wheat-free diet. Completely gone. And you see the picture. So I just want to... I just want to clarify one thing, because gluten, typically wheat, barley, rye. So 
barley is not an issue or barley and rye are an issue because they do contain gluten, but they are not wheat? That's really a good question. Now, gluten itself, gluten is not bad for you. Bad gluten is bad for you. What does that mean? Gluten is the category of a family of proteins in most grains. There's gluten in rice. There's gluten in corn. There's gluten in quinoa. There's gluten in rye, in barley, in wheat. But the family of proteins, in, of gluten proteins in wheat, rye, and barley are the ones we're talking about here. And most of the studies have shown for people that are sensitive to wheat, and that's all humans, but when they start having an immune reaction to wheat, about 20 to 25% of those people also have the reaction to rye and barley. So it's not every single person, but there's a percentage of them that do. So to be safer in the beginning, you do a blood test, you, you have to do the right blood test, but you find out you're sensitive to wheat, you get wheat, rye, and barley out of there completely for three to six months, you recheck, good, the antibodies are down to normal, great. Well, can I have rye? I don't know. Go ahead and try. So then you eat rye for a while, and then you go back and you check for the wheat antibodies again. If the wheat gluten antibodies have gone back up, then for you, rye is a problem. But it's so commonly a component, rye and barley, that we just recommend everyone include that and get off of it when the blood tests say that you got a problem with wheat. So clearly you don't look at this as a gluten-free craze, as many people are referring it to it as. When you look at the studies from Harvard, and, and these came out uh, as Holland, H-O-L-L-O-N is the most recent one uh, from Harvard. They looked at people that had celiac disease recently diagnosed. That's the wheat allergy that chews up your gut. Um, celiac disease, where people have been on a wheat-free diet for one to two years, so their gut had healed and that's an example of the autoimmune disease completely healing when you change your diet. They looked at people with a wheat sensitivity that didn't have celiac disease called non-celiac gluten sensitivity, and they looked at people that didn't have any apparent problem with wheat at all. They looked at all four people, all, all four categories of people. Everyone has a problem with wheat when they eat it. All humans, that's what they showed, all humans have a problem, but it's a minor problem. It's, it's not a major problem, and so people don't have symptoms. Uh, the, the way you find out is that you do the right blood test to see if your immune system says you got a problem because your immune system is the armed forces in your body there to protect you. There's an Army, an Air Force, a Marines, a Coast Guard, a Navy, IGA, IgG, IgE, IgM. They're different branches of the immune system all there to protect you. So, so just to clarify you've something. Got a problem, you've got a problem. Okay, so I want to just clarify one thing. You could do a food panel and show that you're okay with wheat, but it doesn't mean you actually are because unless you check the antibodies, you wouldn't know for sure. Is that oh, correct? You're real, that's really a good question. And that's the problem with our doctors doing testing for food sensitivities today. Uh, the allergists, for example, they do a skin prick test on your back. You know, if you take your child and see if they have sensitivity to different foods. And it's a really good test. It checks the Air Force. That's called IgE. And if it comes back and it shows there's, there's a problem, you got a problem. But if it comes back and says that you don't have a problem, you cannot tell the person you do not have a problem with that food. All you can say is that the Air Force hasn't been called out. 
What about mm. the Marines, IgA? Well, we didn't check the Marines. But, doctor, aren't there many studies that say IgA is the test to look like for celiac disease? And uh, so you have to check different branches of the armed forces before you can be confident that a food is okay for you. If any of the branches say you got a problem, you got a problem. This is so fascinating. We have to go to break, but when we get back, we're going to hear more from Dr. Tom O'Brien about the autoimmunity crisis and the fix and what we can do about it. Stay tuned. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a busy, stressed, and hungry go-getter who knows what to do to get healthier but has trouble doing it? The problem with popular diets is that they were designed for other people, not you. Sure, they might work for the short term, but for the longer term results, you need a plan designed specifically for your unique body and lifestyle. How about the stress in your life? Do you ever stop and take a deep breath? Do you know what all this stress is doing to your health? Healthy living strategist and author of Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed, Lisa Lutan will get you on your way with coaching, online courses and challenges, and even retreats. You will learn tips and strategies to help you calm down, get healthy, and make you feel and look better than ever. For a limited time, Lisa Lutan is offering a free 15-minute breakthrough session to help you get started feeling better right away. Just visit HealthyHappyAndHip.com to get your free 15-minute breakthrough strategy session. That's Healthy, Happy, and Hip. Yes, you heard it right. HealthyHappyAndHip.com and enter your info in the contact page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. To reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. Feel like sending an email instead? Send it to Lisa at healthyhappyandhip.com. Now, back to Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. Here again is Lisa Lutan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm having a really, really fascinating conversation about autoimmunity with Dr. Tom O'Brien, author of The Autoimmune Fix. And I'm learning so much. There's so much subtlety in all of this that I never realized. But I did get an email from a listener, a a question for you, Dr. O'Brien, that I will share. It says, Dear Dr. O'Brien, it would be an understatement to say that I am a bit skeptical about this gluten-free craze. With all the ups and downs and ins and outs that we hear from nutrition experts, it's hard to believe anything. That being said, I'm a burnt-out workaholic with brain fog, a bit of ringing in my ears, and chronic mild depression, despite having great friends, family, and life in general. Yes, I drink too much coffee and have too much stress, but I do eat somewhat healthy and exercise quite a bit. Could gluten be a culprit in my misery? Signed, skeptical but curious. That is a really good question. I want to commend that person for being skeptical. Everyone should be skeptical but not cynical. Skepticism means I'm not going to jump on board until I really understand this. Cynicism means you're full of crap. And and then they don't look into it. So, In terms of skepticism, my book is meant for you. 
you will understand all the science on this. And it's an, I try to make it in everyday language in terms of the science of it. But when you see, the scientists are really clear that our immune system treats wheat when it gets activated. Uh, wheat is a minor pathogen, a minor irritant to the body. It's not, a, it's not like a, um, a banana is taken in. Wheat always triggers an immune response in the gut. It's usually a minor response, but it always triggers a little inflammation in the gut. But your, your immune system in the gut, that's where 70% of the immune system is, is vigilant on everything that comes through. Why? Why is 70% of the immune system in the gut? Because our ancestors, the most danger that they would have in terms of being poisoned or um, not being able to survive would be what they eat and drink. So your immune system in the gut is checking every molecule of what goes down there. Every single morsel of what you eat is checked. Is this friendly? Is this not? Is this friendly? Is this unfriendly? Everything. And wheat is an unfriendly. For everyone, it's an unfriendly. But it's a minor unfriendly. It's not a big deal for most. The problem is, and the world we live in today, and Lisa, in the introduction, you referenced this a little bit, the incredible rise in the awareness about autoimmunity. In the world we live in today, our immune system is having to protect us from so much toxic assault. It was in the early 90s that uh, uh, GMO foods came on the market. That alters the structure of the food. Your immune system in the gut reacts to that altered food. It doesn't make you sick, but it reacts. So that's a minor toxin. Wheat is a minor toxin. The mercury in the tuna is a minor toxin. The bisphenol A in the water you're drinking from the water bottle is a minor toxin. The air pollution is a minor toxin. Every child they check in Mexico City now has early Alzheimer's. There's a form of Alzheimer's called number three. Alzheimer's number three is inhalation Alzheimer's. That it's what you breathe that triggers the inflammation in the brain that killing off your brain cells and you eventually get Alzheimer's. So if you live in a moldy house, that's, a, that's a more of a major toxin, but it's the level of toxins we're exposed to day in, day out. All of the plastics, you walk on the sidewalk and you come home. Your neighbor sprayed the sidewalk with Roundup yesterday to kill the dandelions. You got Roundup on your shoes. You walk in the house, and, you, and now, now you got Roundup on the carpet because you wear your shoes in the house. Your kids are doing their homework on the carpet while they're watching television. Now they've got Roundup on their arms and their hands, and it gets into their bloodstream. That's why you need to leave your shoes at the door. The toxins of the outside world stay outside. It's not some Zen Buddhist thing. You leave the outside world outside. And when you learn that saran wrap leaches chemicals into your food, Tupperware leaches chemicals into your food, the lid on the cup at the coffee shop, Starbucks, leaches chemicals into your drinks, the hot liquid steaming up condenses on the underside of the lid and it drips back down full of bisphenol A. And the bisphenol A-free plastic now has BPS instead of BPA, which is more toxic. But it's all of these toxins, day in, day out, day in, day out, consistently being exposed that the minor irritants, all of a sudden your immune system gets trigger happy and it's not going to put up with any crap anymore. Now it goes after the minor toxins. Now you make antibodies to wheat and now you've now you got a lifelong problem.
So that's a uh, three-minute summary of what's in the book. Uh, wow. And I, give, and I give you all of the studies on this. So you, you just read this and go, oh, my God, I had no idea. And none of it's my ideas. It's just study after study after study. And you read this and, you, so and you, start, you start to get the big picture and you go, oh, my God, I need to change the way I think about how I live my life. So this writer who wrote in the excellent skeptical question, here's a clue for you. You, you. you need too much coffee, man. You aren't taking care of yourself so that your body is fueled properly to give you the juice to do what you're ju- doing in the day. There's nothing wrong with coffee, but when you're needing to do more than a cup every once in a while just to keep you going, you're, you're burning out. And when you're burning, it's very slow, but you're killing off tissue in that burnout process, I could guarantee it. You do array number five, and we'll find out where's the weak link in your chain, and that's where you're being killed off right now, and eventually, that's likely where the symptoms come that take you down. So are the symptoms that that person wrote, brain fog, ringing in his ears, and chronic mild depression, are those symptoms of autoimmune, or are those just symptoms of anything? I would wage $100 that you do this test, and you've got elevated antibodies to your brain, like I did. I'd wage $100 on it <clears throat> because there has to be a mechanism causing the mild depression, a mechanism causing the brain fog, a mechanism causing the ringing in the ears. And you say, what's the mechanism? Well, it's inflammation. Where's the inflammation coming from? I don't know. Let's find out. And um, consistently, we would find in patients like that, they've got elevated antibodies like I had. I had three of them elevated. And I, I was shocked. I thought I was as healthy as a horse. As a healthy horse, from healthy as a horse. I don't know. There's some pretty sick horses out there. (laughs) So I have a question about inhalation because so many people are like in the pool swimming, and I can't imagine that all that chlorine is okay for you, right? What are you finding? (laughs) Any correlation with that? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, there are three substances. Receptor sites sit on the outside of your cells. And they're like a catcher's mitt. And the pitcher throws the ball to the catcher. And that's how hormones get inside your cells, is that you have a receptor site on the outside of the cell. So estrogen receptor sites, testosterone, thyroid, insulin, melatonin, serotonin, all these hormones, there are receptor sites on the cells. If there's no receptor site for serotonin on a cell, serotonin has no impact on that cell. It can't get in. And only thyroid will go into a thyroid receptor site. Estrogen will not. Testosterone will not. Only thyroid goes into a thyroid receptor site. And what happens, thyroid, goes, thyroid hormone goes into a thyroid receptor site. It opens the door, and then the hormone can go inside the cell. So first, it goes into the receptor site. It stimulates the receptor site, and there's some action in the cell. And then it opens the door, and the hormone goes inside. There are three chemicals that we're exposed to in everyday life that go right into thyroid receptor sites. They're called endocrine disruptors, hormone disruptors. And these three are highly associated with the thyroid receptor site. So they go into a thyroid receptor site, but they sit there. They don't open the cell. They keep stimulating the cell, but they don't open the cell. And they just sit there. So now you've got thyroid hormone going by in the bloodstream, And the pitcher throws a fastball to the catcher, but the catcher's got three baseballs in his mitt, and the hormone can't get in. These are people who have thyroid symptoms, 
but they go get a blood test and their thyroid hormone levels are fine. It's so very common. It's called euthyroid, E-U, thyroid. You have euthyroid. Well, let's just give you some extra hormone. We'll shotgun here. But doctor, the test said I had enough. Well, we'll give you some more. You'll feel better. And, but they're missing the boat as to the hormones not getting into the cells. The three substances that will bind into thyroid receptor sites, the most common substance is chlorine. Chlorine binds into thyroid receptor sites. This is patient. When you're in an elevator in a hotel and the elevator doors open, can you tell right away the swimming pool's on that floor? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I can smell it. Well, everybody doesn't smell it, but you do. That suggests that you're sensitive to chlorine. That suggests you've got too much chlorine in your body right now and your body can't break it down. You have thyroid symptoms and you go through a list of the thyroid symptoms. Well, yeah, I mean, oh, not quite every, but I th- almost every patient I've ever asked those questions to, if you can smell the pools on a floor, you've got a problem with chlorine. And so what do I tell these patients to do? Reduce their exposure. The first thing they do, where you get more chlorine exposure than anywhere else, for most of us, it's your shower that the steam, you inhale the steam, it goes right into your bloodstream. So you get a $50 chlorine shower filter and you put it on your shower. It's really easy. Unscrew the shower head, put the filter on, screw the shower head on the other end of the filter. It's that easy. But now you've reduced your chlorine exposure dramatically. For those that are in swimming pools, you got a problem. I don't have an answer for that. Wow. Wow, wow. So you were just saying we should put chlorine filters on our shower. Are there any other things, and I liked what you said before about leaving the shoes at the door for those reasons, any other things that we should be doing right away to help prevent autoimmune? Yeah, my my book is full of it. I mean, that's that's what the book's about, is not not just screaming wolf, but what do you do? I mean, you, uh, listen, we don't have time to mess around anymore. The World Wildlife Fund published a study five months ago, I think it was, that shows there has been, on average, between 1970 and 2012, in 42 years, we've had a 57% reduction of all wildlife on the planet. In 42 years, we've wiped out more than half of all the Baltimore Orioles, the Red Robins, the Rainbow Trout, the polar bears, the cheetahs, the brown bears, the salamanders. We've wiped out more than 57% of everything in 42 years. Wake up, people. We can't keep our heads buried in the sand with all the toxins we're exposed to every day. There are scientists now that are showing hard evidence that it's questionable if humans can live on the planet in the next 50 years, that we're, we're just poisoning this planet so bad and, well, you know, I like, I like the plastic lids for my Starbucks cup. No, so what do you do? You go to Starbucks with a stainless steel mug and say, fill it up, please, with whatever you want. You don't have to stop the food or the beverage. You just have to be smart about what you're being exposed to with it and make sure your coffee shop is filtering their water. They're not just using tap water, but they're filtering the junk out of the water. So you have to start learning how to ask these kinds of questions and demand this out of your food suppliers and your service uh, providers. Does Starbucks filter their water? I'm sorry, can you say that again? That was called. Does Starbucks filter their water? I don't know. I Good think question. so, but I don't know for sure. Wow. So would you tell our listeners where they can find your book and also what other things they could find on your website and where it is? Sure, you bet. 
uh, the book's on Amazon, but if you go to my website, thedr.com, right on the front page, there's the book, and if you click on it, it takes you to Amazon, but then you also can download a bunch of handouts that I've written since the book that are free to you uh, to help you implement more of what this book's got to give you. Uh, The website has, I don't know, lots of interviews, radio interviews like this one. Um, uh, There are video interviews. Um, I'm on YouTube now. I'm doing a lot of YouTube videos or short videos. They're they're fun. You know, we just have fun with it. Yeah, you have to have fun doing this stuff. You know, you've got to or else it'll drive you nuts. I mean, (laughs) it's very scary. What I'm telling you is very scary. But you have to wake up because your children and your grandchildren are inheriting a world. You know, for the first time, for the first time in the history of the human species, the very first time this has never happened before, the New England Journal of Medicine tells us that children born today have a shorter projected lifespan than their parents. Every generation in, from time immemorial has lived longer than, their, than the generation beforehand. Not now. Kids are going to get sick at earlier ages, get diagnosed with diseases at earlier ages, and die at an earlier age than when their parents die. This is not my, my idea. This is the science. It's like, wake up, people. You've got to Listeners. wake up to what we're doing. Listeners, I can't say enough about this book. I think you should run out right now and get it. This is so important for us, for our kids, for future generations. And I can't thank you enough, Dr. O'Brien, for coming on today. This flew, and I have so many more questions, so I hope you'll come back on the show again soon. Oh, thank you. It would be a pleasure. I'm going to try and squeeze in one more idea here, and that is everyone has to be kind to themselves because this will just blow you away as you start to learn this stuff. And you give one hour a week, just one hour a week. You're going to read a little more of the book. You're going to listen to one of Lisa's shows. One hour a week to learning new concepts, just one hour. And when you do that, six months from now, your family's life is different because you've implemented a bunch of things. But you try to do it all at once, unless you have a degenerative disease that's been diagnosed. If you try to do it all at once, it drives you crazy, you know, and you throw the baby out with the bathwater. So be kind to yourself and, and allocate just a little bit of time consistently Tuesday nights after dinner or Sundays after coming home from church or whatever it is for you. But just be consistent every week, one hour, and you will win the ball game. That is amazing advice. And I, I think we do. We love to learn and share with the people we care about all this valuable information out there. And I know that's why I'm doing this work. I know that's why Dr. O'Brien's doing this work. And I'm leaving very inspired today. So thank you again. Thank you, listeners. It has been great. Please visit me at healthyhappyandhip.com. Leave me a note. Tell me what you liked about the show. Tell me what you'd like to see in future shows or just stop by and say hi. Have a great week. you've enjoyed today's episode on busy stressed and food obsessed did you get some great ideas from today's show join lisa lutan again next thursday at 9 a.m pacific time and 12 noon eastern time on the voice america health and wellness channel have a great week